0: Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to this week's episode of The Boundless Show. And even though last week was officially the start of September, now we're past Labor Day and so uh, happy September, but not happy fall yet. That's not till September twenty second, y'all. So don't even steal it from me. I'm just saying. <laughs> well, later on for our inbox, um, we have got a girl and her boyfriend who met online and have been dating for about six months. Well, she's wanting to get married and at least look in that direction, but he's thinking they need to wait. So we've got a timing issue, and uh, she's wondering how long. Is it appropriate to wait before you really start talking about marriage, especially when you're in disagreement? One of our counselors, Glenn Lutyens, is going to answer her question. And then for our culture segment, radio personality and avid indoorsman, Brant Hansen, is back with us to share about his newest book, The Men We Need. So this is part one of our conversation with him, Um, a really inspiring discussion for guys on a number of levels and also for women. So you're going to want to listen in to that. All right. Well, here we are for our roundtable and i have got bailey alex and linda here hey everyone how's it going hey good to have you talking about we're going to throw out the question today should you consume romantic content and we're saying romantic because everyone here is going to say yeah uh you know don't watch porn don't watch like (laughs) overtly inappropriate stuff but um, what about Pride and Prejudice, y'all? Because I can do five and a half hours of that. Okay, whatever. So, you know, fight me on it if if you want to. So we're going to have this conversation around and we'll just, we're loosely calling it romantic content. Maybe we're going to have to define this um, or at least our different variations of it and talk it through. But um, let's go ahead and start by just generally throwing it out there and say, Where are you on the romance scale? And this can be movies, TV, songs, you know, whatever, however, this plays out. Are you a hopeless romantic or are you more
1: pragmatic? I am so romantic. You are. Through from when I was very young. Okay. I remember seeing the scene, and this is a weird movie to feel romance in, but *Alvin and the Chipmunks* (laughs) two, when Alvin sees the Chipette for the first time, and the I want to know, and love (laughs) when that song played for the first time. I was like, they get it. They get me. This is exactly what I want to feel okay so from a young
0: age i've been romantic we now could be friends alex because for me it is beverly hills
1: chihuahua let's go i love her that movie. she
0: gets lost in mexico yep. and he has to go and rescue her that's right her little chihuahua boyfriend underrated
1: underrated movie for sure <laughs> so George Lopez. so underrated yeah. okay
0: good good thoughts now turning to more normal responses <laughs> hopefully bailey and linda can weigh in
2: Um, I would say also, like, I'm very romantic. Love, love, love. Love movies, songs, books. I love them all. And I would say it probably started because of Disney. You know, Beauty and the Mm -hmm. Beast, Little Mermaid, Mm -hmm. all those kinds of movies where you just kind of see that cute little romance story and you kind of grow, in, grow up being like, wow, I want that, you know? Mm-hmm.
3: They did their job.
2: They did. Okay. okay,
0: that makes yeah. sense. How yeah. about you, Linda?
3: I'm probably a little more pragmatic in that area. I, I like a good love story, but it, for me it has to be mixed with some drama mm-hmm. and not the main focus of things. Okay, so you don't have like 24 Hallmark movies in your queue <laughs>
0: of just no. like going from Christmas and... Okay, I well, watch them, but they're not my favorite. <laughs> there, you just like the ones that have, you know, extremely intricate plots of drama and intrigue mm-hmm. and action. Those, yes. those hallmarks. Yes. Okay, yeah, no, okay, <laughs> <laughs> excellent. Okay, um so what what do you guys think it is about that? Because again, I feel like I'm in the same place of like, especially. Well, I alluded to Jane Austen. I mean, anything that's like a period piece, I'm just all over it. I just Mm -hmm. think that's fun. I think fun banter and dialogue is great um but clearly you know other even all the ones where you know the plot is so formulaic and you know you know i've joked about it on boundless where it's like it's it's a better romance if they hate each other first and then in the span (laughs) of 90 minutes somehow they're going to come around you know (laughs) like what is it about that you guys that you think is so like where's the draw in that
2: I think I love happy endings. Mm. Like I just feel like I'm a very joyful person. I don't like to be sad. I don't like movies where, you know, the main character dies or something. Um, So I think the draw for me is that they meet, they fall in love, they're happy, and there's just this cute story about how that all happens. And I just love seeing that.
1: Mm -hmm. I have no idea. I don't even <laughs> I don't know the poll because uh, I, I mean I also like sad movies. I remember when Bridge to Terabithia came out, probably the saddest movie ever. I just couldn't stop watching it for some reason. I just loved it, loved the sadness. But I also like yeah, love romance. And I don't know what it is. It's probably something deep uh, in my personality. Probably something as well about being human mm-hmm. and having that you know spark put in us by the Lord to want marriage and to want intimacy. Not even just in marriage, but also with him mm-hmm. uh, having that, you know, express itself in mm-hmm. wanting to enjoy other people's romance stories is probably mm-hmm. what it is.
3: It's good. And I think those stories, the movies we watch, are reflective of the gospel story, of God's pursuit of us. Mm -hmm. And that's the beauty in, I think, some of these the movies, is that it just is a reflection of what our heart desires. And we love that. Mm -hmm. We love Mm -hmm. seeing that played out in the big screen, played out in a song, in a a book that we read.
4: Yeah,
0: I think that's very true in the sense of, because I, I think to myself, like, yeah, what are the ones that really, that I'm drawn to? And it's always the one where there's some kind of either hardship to overcome or Mm. someone who has to stand for something against all odds, you know, and then it becomes like the person, you know, you're, you're just drawn to that person. And I think especially, you know, for, well, I mean, kind of men want to be that guy. And then women just always think of that guy of like, yeah, "Yeah, he just stood in the face of opposition and he did what he needed to do and whatever, which again, Mm is a re- retelling of the gospel so mm-hmm. a lot of this uh, does come back uh does come back to that in the hero sense of things okay well let's talk romance in in terms of you know i kind of started off our discussion by saying okay you know we're not talking about something particularly like sinful or seedy mm-hmm. or whatever but i think you know if any of us and this is not me Has the fifty to a hundred hallmarks in our queue, and we're just binge watching (laughs) them or whatever. (laughs) There's problematic elements with that. I mean, I think we can agree. But what what does it look like? Like, do you ever check yourself? Of like, am I getting like a little too into this, or has this kind of started consuming my time and attention? How do you know when that's come about?
1: Hmm. I think you can tell if it's taken. Too big of a part in your life if you if it changes how you start to think about love. Mm -hmm. I think that's where I've struggled is um, when I watch all these movies where love is a feeling and a feeling alone, Mm -hmm. and that feeling carries you through to commitment and through marriage. And while you're married, you know, it's like as soon as they get married, the the screen goes to the circle and then (laughs) the movie ends, and hooray! Uh, Because it's all easy after that, exactly. (laughs) Why bother? Yeah, so when that, when I just you, like When that was my entertainment diet, I started to think of love as that, as a feeling mm-hmm. and really what it could make me feel. How can my spouse make me feel? And that was like difficult when I was learning uh, how to date my now wife and mm-hmm. getting married, kind of deconstructing that image of love um, was pretty difficult. So probably when your definition of love is defined by your 150 Hallmark movies, mm-hmm. yeah. that's probably when you need to get rid of a couple of mm-hmm. them. <laughs>
2: Yeah, just to bounce off that, like I kind of started noticing. um, Like, I feel like until you notice it, you may not r- realize that that's a habit yeah. you have. Um, but I realized that I was like judging people based on, like, oh, well, they're not like writing me a love letter or they're not mm-hmm. taking me to the spontaneous picnic on the beach, you know? <laughs> Snowball fight. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And being uh-huh. like, wow, is there something wrong? Maybe he doesn't like me as much as I thought he did. But just realizing that, let's not real life. Like you're going to have fun times, but that's not going to be every day mm-hmm. and it's not going to be every single date. Um, so just realizing that they're fun to watch, but they're not reality is yeah. one yeah. thing that I had to realize.
0: Yeah. Linda, maybe you can comment on that a little bit because, you know, in addition to just being someone that we asked to talk about romance, you're also a, a counselor and have tread a lot into the space. What are some of the, um, unrealistic expectations. Like how do you guard against unrealistic expectations knowing that real life relationships are not always just,
3: you know, like they are played out on screen? Right. Well, we all long for that happily ever after. That's Mm -hmm. the thing that draws us to them. And what I find in in like the rom-com genre there is that they prevent us actually from true love in real life Mm. because what happens is, um, we kind of, there's the good and the bad, right? When we start to obsess about things, that's when in our brain, the chemicals, the dopamine, it kicks in. Like we all love the racing heart, the sweaty palms, the excitement, you know, the flushed cheeks, all the emotions, the passion, along with anxiety, which can be good. It's not always bad. But the downside of that, of the dopamine in our brain, it's that obsessive compulsive. It's the fear, it's the loneliness, it's the depression it's a social judgment the low self-esteem when it doesn't turn out like the movie shows Mm -hmm. us the book tells us Mm -hmm. Um, when we don't get what we anticipate should come Mm -hmm. it's that false expectation
0: yeah that's good um would you say that i mean again you know and anyone can comment here like for example I mean, none of us like watch a movie or listen to a song and and are like, you know, okay, well, let me just think objectively of how this might be affecting me and or (laughs) dopamine hits my brain and stuff like that. So what does it look like for you to enjoy stuff as entertainment or feel because I think there's a lot of you know there's a lot of emotional connection we'll have I mean I can think of a song from like you know when I was in high school and all of a sudden I'm like oh man that one you know whatever and it really does have an effect on you Mm -hmm. in enjoying it without getting so caught up in you know thinking of like how is this affecting me for good or for bad or whatever is I mean do you have to like neutralize yourself on that Mm.
2: I think I just let myself enjoy it and just be in the moment, like enjoy the movie, enjoy the book. But if I do like outside of that, catch myself being like, wow, I really wish I had that. I'm kind of reframing it to like be a chance to like pray for my future husband mm-hmm. and um, pray for the person that he is and that I will recognize that and not compare it. So I think it's just, yeah, like enjoy it, but don't let yourself dwell on it and let it shape your desires outside of it is mm-hmm. what I would say.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it has to start with knowing what true love is and knowing Mm -hmm. really just what truth is in general too. Mm -hmm. being informed about what the Bible says about marriage, what the Bible says about love. Mm -hmm. It has to start there because as human beings, we're going to be we're going to have a worldview Mm -hmm. just regardless. And so if our worldview is is informed by the Bible, we can now watch those movies and weigh them mm-hmm. with the word and weigh them with what God says love is mm-hmm. and if we see something in a movie or hear something in a song that doesn't line up with scripture, we can acknowledge that. we can say, hey, that was really hey the the visuals in that movie is really good like love the story, but that's not the story of my marriage. that's not the story of the marriage that. Um, God has given me and mm-hmm. he has told me to steward in this way. Mm-hmm. And so just kind of acknowledging that it has to start with the word it has to start with where you get your truth from. Cause if your diet is only those rom-coms, mm-hmm. you're going to believe that that's reality. And then you're going to be really disappointed mm-hmm. when you eventually find out that they are not real. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, and I don't want to um, negate the fact that, I mean, how many of us can think of movies that we watch that, you know, even if the romance is super sappy there isn't some kind of problematic element in it. And I mean, this is a great opportunity to mention Focus on the Families Plugged In, because I know many Mm -hmm. of you go to Plugged In and use it, everything from counting F-bombs to the amount of sexual content in it. But I mean, like really, when was the last time you watched a movie short of a Disney animated movie where people at some point don't have sex in the film? And I think even we as Christians were like, okay, well, we got to just, you know, We have to just put that aside because there's no way you can get a movie that doesn't have that. And I'm not talking about we don't have to be extreme like Fifty Shades or something. But just that kind of the wearing on you of like this is an expectation within a movie. Do you guys find yourself having to finally say like, okay, like at this point, this kind of movie I can't watch or this I have to fast forward? Or how do you determine your own Mm -hmm. boundaries in that?
1: Golly, that's tough. I think it really gosh i think it just depends on the film too depending on the person for me personally i just can't watch a sex scene mm-hmm. i just can't mm-hmm. uh i can handle it if they're like going into the bed and then they're like wake up the next morning i'm like okay i know what happened <laughs> but i know you're not married but fine you i'll really let us know slide. what happened
0: Alex. <laughs> come on i know, you what don't you're insinuating. know. they just they um... just read comic books and whatever and had the flashlight under the yeah uh, no. if only <laughs> <Okay>. if only <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, but I mean the same with books too. Cause I know a lot of like fantasy novels or yeah, like YA novels will do that too. They'll have like a sex scene or two. It's easy to skip. Might as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my line. I think also, you know, it depends. It's hard to say like, Oh, it just depends on your conscience because your conscience can be dulled. Mm-hmm. And so like, if I consistently, you know, let those sex scenes play, my conscience might be dulled and I might be making an unhealthy decision by not taking a hard stand so Mm -hmm. it's kind of hard to leave it just to your conscience i think that's why it's always helpful to first of all take a look at the word what does it Mm -hmm. say about entertainment does it say that you should make compromises for entertainment Mm -hmm. oftentimes i see us crucifying our flesh rather than feeding it um and then second community you know just asking your people hey what do you guys think about this i really don't know what to do Mm -hmm.
2: yeah um i don't know i usually fast forward it just kind of depends on the movie um which like you said like It's kind of hard, like, with the conscience and stuff. But, um, I don't know. I think fast-forwarding is just, like, the safe way. Because then you're not letting your imagination roam. And you're not, like, putting things in your head that may or may not be realistic, you know? And, um, but I know we talk a lot about, like, sex scenes in movies. But one thing that really bothers me about... Um, a lot of popular movies today especially aimed at team girls is that toxic traits are glorified mm-hmm. and like romanticized mm-hmm. like you see people in these really toxic relationships where one of them may be alcoholic or um, or possessive or manipulative and mm-hmm. they're the desirable one they're the one that people like really are going after and they're the one they end up with and that just kind of bothers me because being in a toxic relationship prior like to moving here it really is like detrimental and it's not something that is like desirable you know what i mean yeah
0: Yeah. no that's so true and even in the even in the sense of like in lesser ways like it seems like especially with men in movies it's always the like Dark, brooding, unavailable mm-hmm. one. And kind I'm like, who too. else yeah. would, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm like, where else would that be seen as desirable? Like, mm-hmm. you know, and it's always the assumption the girl is always like, oh, it's okay. I can reach him. You know, yeah. I can change him. Uh-huh. I can whatever. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's like against every like relationship 101 of like, don't sign up for the projects. Don't be the one that, yeah. you know, is the one that's going to fix yeah. someone. Um, And I would imagine, Linda, that that would be, I mean, you probably see a fair amount of the effects of that kind of glorification of bad traits, you know, in people who want relationships and, in fact, are settling for something like
3: that. Right. A lot of the people I see, it's because they come in because of those misconceptions Mm -hmm. um, that they see in the love and romance kind of movies or, or songs or books again. And it's kind of like coming in to saying, well if someone really loved me, they would know what I'm thinking without me saying it. Mm -hmm. You know, that's one of those misconceptions Mm -hmm. or, you know, it's my destiny, my fate. Like we've talked about, um, that, I will just fall in love and it will happen rather Mm -hmm. than love is actually a choice. Mm -hmm. We choose love each and every day in terms of when we're married and really understanding what that biblical view of marriage is. Mm -hmm. um, We get distorted with what the world offers us because we often spend more time there Mm -hmm. than we spend studying Mm -hmm. what God says about marriage. And Mm -hmm. um, our first love is him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it is so funny. I
0: think of this, especially in terms of songs, you know, usually because they're like three minutes long of like whoever says anything about a person that's ultimately valuable or character based in a song. It's all just about if someone Mm, is (laughs) hot or (laughs) funny
1: or yeah, it's just like weird. Or like how they make me feel. Like you make me feel this, you make me feel that. So then when you're with someone that... Yeah. yeah. For a long time, they may not make you feel that way anymore. And you're like, oh, this probably isn't love then. Yeah,
3: Yeah. that's infatuation versus mature love, Mm -hmm. which, you know, we talk about in terms of there's angst in that beginning. Right. All the ups and downs and the roller coaster that love is. Um, But after a couple of years, it actually calms down. Mm-hmm. And we see that um, in relationships, and the stress is often gone. And it turns from that, what we talk about, a passionate love to actually compassionate love, mm-hmm. which is so much more meaningful mm-hmm. in the long term. Hmm. Okay, so that
0: said, you know, we'll we'll end on somewhat of a fun note. Does anyone have any recommendations? I mean, you can tell on yourself if you just want it to be <laughs> like cotton candy or whatever, but... Or, you know, one or stories that just have resonated with you or are valuable to you um, in this, you know, I mean, not Alex and my recommendations at the beginning.
1: (laughs) You don't have to watch Beverly Hills Chihuahua if you don't want to. We recommend it, but you don't have
0: to. (laughs) We sure do recommend it. Um, But what would you say? What are just the ones that you're like, oh, that one just for
1: whatever reason
0: is especially meaningful to you?
1: Uh, Mine is About Time. And it is, I don't even it know was what that is. about time is a movie starring Domino Gleason and Rachel McAdams. And it's a oh. story. It's, if you watch any trailer, it's marketed as just rom-com. Guy meets girl, but he can travel in time, so he uses his time travel to, you know, make the girl fall in love with him and they get married. And when you watch the movie, that's like half I the movie. I may have just dozed off while you. Were there. <laughs> but go ahead, Alex. Continue this time traveling business. Right. Um, so that's like half the movie, and then they get married, and then the rest of the movie is about like his relationship with his father and like his relationship with his siblings and responsibility and like. Um, taking each day as it comes and really holding on to it with everything you have and taking it for what it is and kind of um, taking hold of it, I suppose. And so that's my recommendation. Again, back to what you said earlier: there is a sex scene with, and they're not married. Okay, just skip it. You know, listen, I'm not perfect. This is a compromise. The movie's amazing. You just got to skip those three minutes. All right. Okay, we'll do
2: um the show Heartland I don't know if any of you have ever heard of it it's on Netflix I've been my family's been watching it since I was in 5th grade and they just renewed for a 16th season um but it's a love story, but it's also, you know, just there's drama, there's suspense, there's mystery. There's a lot that goes on. It's a family that lives on a ranch in Canada. Um, it's just really sweet, and it kind of goes from that passionate love to compassionate love because you see the main characters, like, fall in love and get married and establish this life and have kids, and it's just a really beautiful show that's, like, family-friendly, so I always recommend that one to people. Um, and then as far as books go, anything by Jody Headland is amazing because she does historical fiction, like medieval, um, like frontier type stories. Um, but they they're very clean, they're very innocent, but the books like are very good at showing examples of like sacrificial love. And um, yeah, I would I always recommend those as well. Oh, that's so
0: good. Yeah. Good recommendations. Well you guys thank you so much for weighing in on this conversation. This yeah. is really fun. Thanks. Thank you, Lisa. But
1: your love is so deep Your love is so wide It stretches so far
0: And reaches so high Oh, this love you have for me In all of my fear In all of my doubt Your love is enough It
1: never runs out Love that makes me
0: Folks, we are here. For this week's culture segment, and by this week I actually mean this week and next week because we're doing a two-parter here with our friend Brant Hansen, who is back in the studio. Brant, welcome. Welcome.
4: <laughs> welcome no, back. I, I should you say. You say welcome to me. <laughs> hey. I say hello to you. That's
0: okay. It's not like you've ever That's, done radio. It's your so studio. It's all... <laughs> we'll forgive you for that. He's so smooth. His yeah. first word made no sense. <laughs> he's just like he's he's so used to doing radio and podcasting with Sherry. His, you know, I could just be rude and be like, his better half, you know, but whatever. They're both awesome and love them both. But I always have to give Sherry extra props because she's my single girl, you know, in your.
5: Yeah. And in the industry, the radio industry, people come up to her, she says, and they're like, are you okay?" (laughs) And she's like, what are you talking about? She's realized that they they think it's hard to work with me or something. Oh, well, she's like, I've never had an easier work relationship with you. So I don't know what the perception is. I guess I don't really care, but it's (laughs) just kind of funny. (laughs) Are you all right?
0: (laughs) Well... You know she's she's definitely gotten into into her groove, so I think that's totally. great, and she does so many so many awesome things. Um, well, we have had you on. In fact, uh, John, producer John, he's always good about like giving history, you know, of guests and stuff. And I guess we've had you on three times so far, at least here Whoa. on the Boundless Show. I uh, know. I'm honored. So it's really fun, um, and that's because you know you've just written some fantastic books. Not that you only need to write a book to have us talk to you, because you do a lot of great things, but. Um, This week and next, we're actually going to start talking about your newest book titled The Men We Need, which I have to, I often say subtitles for people's books, but I really have to this time because I just love it. It is God's purpose for the manly man, the avid indoorsman, or any man willing to show up. And uh, you have, in fact, I will say I had the privilege of endorsing this book, reading it beforehand. In fact, you guys, I am looking right here. My notes are on uncorrected proof. So this is back in the day I first got my hands on a copy of this and um, had the chance to read it through. And I was like, oh, this is going to be so great. And then weirdly, um, one of my female friends who lives in Indiana was also reading the book after publication and she's like have you heard of this book called the men we need so we're assuming that men are reading this book too but i'm (laughs) hearing from women who are reading it and and i was like um girl i got this okay i'm totally interviewing him so whatever i'm gonna get the get more of the scoop so um we were talking before we started taping about how you just came back from a trip to africa um more great work over there that you do with cure and beyond
5: yeah can i Um, can i relate that to this book a little bit do it because if people are like this is one of those man books where (laughs) it's i don't you know all the trappings of masculinity i the reason i wrote it is because i'm not that guy yeah but what i get to do see i'm not i'm not athletic particularly i have neurological problems i'm on the autism spectrum like i I literally play the accordion (laughs) Uh, I play the flute, yeah, like all of that yeah. stuff. That's not a typical man, book guy, but no. what I get to do, like working with cure. These are kids that are abused. They have disabilities that we can fix, mm-hmm. but they're often considered cursed. They're rejected. Their moms usually are too. So at these hospitals, they're all about, they're all about Jesus and they're all about healing and proclaiming the kingdom. Well, I get to help these hospitals go. Mm-hmm. Like I use my platform to make them, I get to be, have a role in protecting these children
4: yeah yeah
5: and they are extremely vulnerable and extremely precious to God but i I think any guy, regardless of all the other trappings of masculinity, once you realize maybe what your role is, you can use whatever you have. yeah you can be a, a pipe fitter or a professor. It doesn't matter like this is because if you really want to understand what masculinity really is, it doesn't all that other stuff is not the point. Yeah. So I I'm just kind of a living example I think of that.
0: No, and that's great. And we're actually going to get into that because I think what people often overlook especially in the way that we are doing like mass marketed church and leadership and all this stuff even in a Christian culture today is about Go out and look for something big, look for something amazing, be awesome, whatever. And uh-huh. you're like, um, or maybe just do what's right in front of you Yeah. and what you got now. Because why wait 10 years until you're someone else?
4: And
5: the weird thing is, if God wants to make it big, he will. Right. And you didn't have you just did you were just faithful with what came across your path instead of trying to act like the big visionary for everything. I mean that's a that's a big relief.
0: Yeah, that's great. Okay, well that actually brings the first question that I want to lay out there, which you actually kind of put in the introduction, and you promise that you address this throughout the book, and and you do. Is you are really setting out to answer the question: What are men supposed to actually do? Right,
5: <laughs> right. So. Yeah, I, it's because I appreciate. Because lots of
0: people have their opinions. They do. Yeah. They have.
5: Well, they have deconstructive opinions, mm-hmm. and yeah. I really think a lot of that's very valid. Yeah. But deconstruction is easy. Right. Construction is much more difficult to actually live where you actually know what you are supposed to do, how to prioritize things, how to how to actually function. You have to have a construction. Yeah. So some picture on the on the puzzle box, so that all these pieces make sense, mm-hmm. but. We we deconstruct over and over. I get it. And again, some of that's very valuable, but I'm, what I was trying to do with this book is go, okay, here's actually a picture of what we're supposed to be doing and then you can go from there.
0: Yeah. Well, and you say, you kind of like start to answer the question by saying what we're supposed to do is we need to do what needs to be done. And so the question is, okay, what needs to be done? And I want to kind of back it up because a lot of like people will read this book and rightly... Assume that there is a proliferation of lameness or not, you know, taking on what God has called men to do and you're gonna challenge and you're gonna call men to do stuff that's different and whatever. But my bigger question and kind of the backing up question is who is letting men be like this? The elusive this that we're gonna Yeah, well <laughs> address I can... Let me so say... Is well... it you, Brant? I mean, you're trying to fix this. I'm but... trying to fix it all. Yeah. <laughs> Single <laughs> handedly. Exactly. No, I, I, With I your would puppets. like, to,
5: even right. if, yeah, if my puppets and my flute, mm-hmm. I would like the ideas in this book to ricochet, even if the book doesn't become a gigantic seller or whatever. That's okay. Mm-hmm. I don't have to have a big platform, whatever. But if it if, if would be so helpful mm-hmm. to men and women both, what I'm saying men are supposed to be is the keeper of the garden, mm-hmm. which is the job that's specifically given to Adam, mm-hmm. which he fails to do. Yeah. Because there's toxic domineering masculinity, for sure. Yeah. But there's also toxic passive masculinity, Yeah, which is a huge issue, too. Well, well, Adam was passive. He was right with Eve, apparently. I always pictured in my mind like he'd be three miles away, like naming giraffes or whatever, <laughs> whatever he's doing. Right. But apparently, you read the scripture, it sounds like he's right there with her. Yeah. While she's being tempted, yeah. he does nothing. Right. And yeah. so when God comes into the garden, he's like, Adam, where are you? Where are <laughs> I made you the keeper of the garden. Yeah. You failed to do this, but I think that's the the essence of what masculinity really is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. So it's creating this space around you for the vulnerable to thrive,
4: mm-hmm.
5: and mm-hmm. for people to feel secure. Where you you are actually a protector of this space. You create this space because there are species in the wild that would not survive, but in a garden they flourish and bloom. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's my job as a man. The hook, though, for guys and why I think they should at least start it. Just read the first chapter. chapter—is because I'm saying women find it extremely attractive. Mm
4: -hmm. Mm -hmm.
5: And I'm not saying that's the reason you should do this, but it is instructive because women are brilliant and intuitive on this, like who we're supposed to be. When we do inhabit this role, you don't have to look like a guy on a cover of a magazine. You don't have to be jacked. You don't have to be an athlete. You don't have to be rich women will still find you attractive they'll be yeah. drawn to you because that's who you are yeah so I use the example of being back in college you may not remember this I know I'm a little older than you mm-hmm. maybe a lot I can't remember I'll say a lot <laughs> I'm like 24 so, yeah you know, okay, whatever. okay. okay. yeah <laughs> um, so that's what I thought so there is a poster that's the biggest selling poster of all time hmm and when I was in college I was at they gave us a tour of the ladies house across the street at the University of Illinois Every room had this the same stupid poster in it. It's the same guy.
4: hmm
5: And after a while, I was like, what is the deal with this dude? I know he's handsome, but there's a billion <laughs> handsome photos mm-hmm. you could have. And he's holding a baby. And they, they were like, oh, yeah, but he, he's hot, but it's not that. It's the way the baby's looking at him.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: And the baby, you can look this up online. It's called L'Enfant, so the, the base of French. But mm-hmm. it sold five million copies. Mm-hmm. And that baby's looking up at this guy, making eye contact, and just kind of like, "You're going to take care of me, right?" hmm Very vulnerable. Yeah. And I thought that's so instructive that women would intuit that that's a very masculine thing. And then whenever you ask women about like what's the best, most attractive occupation, it's always firefighter.
4: hmm
5: So I just think I just think <laughs> just firefighter. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah. it's, it's very interesting to me, and I think instructive about what who we're supposed to be that's all i kind of want to just go from there
0: well and it's fascinating because i think that often when we think of like you know where men have failed or the the picture that the culture paints often is like you know misogynists like crazy you know abusers and stuff like that but i think the sneakier problem is what you tackle in the book and i actually took You know, this is I'm sure Brandt's next book is going to be the women we need and he's going to be an expert on that, too. Absolutely. So, ladies, not that we don't need instruction and you get it often here on the show. But I'm going to just say that I wrote down and this came to me too quickly. In fact, the men that really just drive me bananas. Okay, these are the these are the things that I feel are (laughs) not by name, just traits. And I put down yes, men, cowards afraid to get their hands dirty, passive and lazy, whiners... And doing dumb stuff, like dumb hobbies that just suck the time and the life out of them and other people. And so those are all just kind of like, I mean, who who can't identify with that? That is not the guy who's like out there getting arrested and landing right. in prison and stuff. Well, there's a lot
5: of women who are married to that guy and, right. Or those guys. And I, right. I feel for, the guy doesn't want to be that way either.
0: Right, right, right.
5: But if you're not given, again, a picture of what you're supposed to do, even in Christian circles, they'll be like, we need guys that'll stand up. Yeah. What are you talking about? Right. What do you mean physically stand up? Right. What are you saying?
0: Okay, so here's you've got
5: to be given a positive idea. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing, or else you wind up like that.
0: Right. And so here's what I want one of the statements you make in the book is you say people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, in your school, wherever, should be safer because you are there. Yeah. So the presence of a man and knowing and not you know, and you tell a couple stories related to this that I think are great about a, a potential kidnapping. I would love for you to relay that to folks. But I also want you to paint this picture of like you're you're saying that you are saying that you need to be this guy and you are a guy who just said you're into accordions and puppets and yeah. flutes. What how are you doing that? What does that look like for you? I
5: pay attention. Okay. I'm engaged and I know that's my role. So if there's vulnerable people, I wanna I wanna do what I can. Now, am I gonna out wrestle a Navy SEAL if that mm. if he's attacking me? No. Mm-hmm. But a lot can be done just by owning the space. Like, yeah. So in my neighborhood, one one example I gave in the book is the slightest thing. It's no big deal. But I just saw two little kids walking on the sidewalk. This is a pretty nice neighborhood, and trolling behind them is this dude in a car. Mm. And they turn, and he turns,
4: mm.
5: and so like I run out there and I stop the car. I'm like, hey, can I help you? Mm. And then. He was a little perturbed at me. I was like, I see you following these kids. He's like, I'm their dad. Hmm. Okay. Hmm. Thanks. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm paying attention. Mm-hmm. But there's a there's a lot of th- things that happen because no one is showing up. Right. So, right. Uh, and again, with guys, mm-hmm. they think, because this is our cultural ethos, and you know this, our, our ethos is, as long as I'm not hurting anybody else, what's it matter? Mm-hmm. So... One element of toxic passivity is just like, I'll just play video games. I'll be on porn. I'll just, I'll just be, a, but I'm not hurting anybody. I'm, out, I'm just, I'm just staying in my room. Mm-hmm. And what I want to tell guys is you are hurting people mm-hmm. because we needed you. Mm-hmm. Like God created you for a reason, and and you were supposed to be a keeper of the garden, but you're not showing up. Mm-hmm. There's probably a real flesh and blood woman who would appreciate a man who was growing up mm-hmm. and engaging with real life mm-hmm. instead of getting all his dopamine hits from fake stuff. Mm-hmm. So you, the idea that as long as I'm not hurting somebody, you are. Mm-hmm. But that's that. It gets back to that passivity thing, where it's like as long as I'm not fitting this dump, I'm not being toxically domineering and that. Sort of, mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but. You're still not who we needed you to be. And honestly, who would make you, you would feel less meaningless Mm -hmm. if you embrace this role. Mm -hmm. You'd feel more alive. A lot of times guys feel meaningless because they're doing meaningless garbage. Yeah. Honestly, that's going to feel you leaving depressed and sullen. It's going to leave you feeling that way um, because it should
0: yeah. Well, and you say you're kind of talking through here. I mean, again, it's we have allowed it is OK in our culture for guys to sit around and watch porn yeah. or, you know, just fritter away their time or work a bunch of random jobs without any vision or any goal. And so who I mean, are are men sitting around saying like I mean, obviously you are in the book, but who's sitting around saying Okay, let's uh, do this differently, guys. Like, what is? I don't know. Wh-
5: I, I don't know. And <laughs> yeah. I know. There's like, so the man books that I've read before, there's some really good ones, but it's it's almost always I had to fight, not really fight the publisher, but like tell the publisher when they were talking about the cover of the book, they instantly think silhouette of a guy flexing on top of a mountain. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm like, not all of us climb mountains.
4: Yeah.
0: Like yeah. some
5: of us are accountants. Yeah. Or some of us are into music, or some of us are into information technology or what like we're not all there's got to be something deeper that yeah. underlies all of us as men where we can bring whatever skills we have to bear yeah. in in the service of being this protector of the vulnerable or being someone who's provides security for people like so i don't know who else is doing it mm-hmm. i'm sure there are people doing it but I i feel sorry for guys Because we can point the finger at these lazy layabouts and all that sort of stuff. It's like, if you're not given a vision for what you're supposed to actually be doing, what are you supposed to be doing? Traditionally, humans would be in a a village, in an agricultural setting, in a city or whatever, but you're a part of a community. People know you. You know your role. You know what you're supposed to be doing. You protect this village. You go hunt together with a party of of people. You know what you're supposed to be doing, but in Mm -hmm. modern Western culture... We don't know, mm-hmm. and if nobody's telling us, what the heck are we supposed to do? Mm-hmm. So I actually feel for us, and this my book. I'm I'm, ho- I'm trying to come alongside people instead of just going. This society is going down the drain. Like yeah, it is, it is. But but what are we supposed to be doing? And if we're not given answers for that, what else? You can't say no.
0: Yeah.
5: To these other dopamine hits and fake life. If you know have something better, you're saying yes to.
0: Yeah. Well, and that's what I want to I want you to kind of veer into that a little bit here, because I think here is something that you say that I think is very attainable for guys and doesn't require like MMA training. Okay, you talk about (laughs) you make the statement in the book that masculinity is about taking responsibility. Yeah. And there are many ways to take responsibility. I mean, this is about your own appetites. This is about your job. This is about owning your commitments. This is about, in fact, you say, and you make this statement kind of in tandem with that, that uh, when it comes to men and women, a passive man is a threat to the woman in his life because she always feels that she has to cover the bases and scramble because what if he's not going to show up? What if he's not? Give the average guy, like, what does living out responsibilities look like in a work week? Yeah. Who's this guy? I mean, we
5: can identify irresponsibility probably easier because it's so obvious. Mm -hmm. But, I'll say this faithfulness with daily stuff is underrated Mm -hmm. loyalty with daily stuff is underrated. Mm -hmm. We think in terms of movies or gigantic stories or, you know, real life cannot compete with video games because of that. You don't get to level up as quickly. You don't get nonstop dopamine hits, but showing up faithfully doing your job with passion makes it go better. Mm hmm. I talk about that in the book, honestly, like whatever your job is, I've had some really bad jobs. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Working at the popcorn factory is probably the worst, but we don't have to talk about that one. But it's like- Let's not totally discourage everyone. (laughs) But like time goes faster when you're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Being faithful with that, being faithful with the people in your orbit. Yeah. So I don't know where you work or what you do, but the people around you saying, how do I encourage this person? How did I help this person flourish? I mean, literally having that mindset going into your day, the people around you. This is not normal for me, by the way. This is not like this guy you're you're listening to just cut out like that, Mm -hmm. like Mr. Positive. That's the opposite of what I am. Mm -hmm. But I've learned that this is the best way to live Mm -hmm. and thrive. And then I actually grow up as a result of it. Yeah. Here's another thing about taking responsibility. A lot of the problems with porn, for instance, for guys can be solved logistically. Mm Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. how you structure your day, yeah, if you're left alone too much, like if you had stuff going on all the time yeah. and you're doing one thing after it, you don't have the time for it, yeah, but it's wild if you if you do have isolated time, it's very difficult not to get involved in it yeah and i I did tell the story of uh taking a bunch of guys I was discipling and w- with a youth group trip down to Mexico to do some like a short term missions trip back in the day, but they they were freely talking about their number one issue all the time, which was girls and lust and all that. It was a co-ed trip. Good-looking girls, you know, all that. We went down there, spent a week camping, working, 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 camping. Hot work, very difficult. At the end of the week, I was like, so how have you guys been about, like, lust issues and stuff? How's it been? It was just a very casual conversation with mm-hmm. several of them. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we haven't even thought about it.
4: Mm-hmm.
5: We've just been so busy. We've been mm-hmm. doing stuff, like... Like that's not that experience they were having is normal human experience because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. you it's only now. But to have this in your uh, the availability of it mm-hmm. and to not be busy
4: yeah.
5: is death. And so the good news is it really is good news because you can you can change that mm-hmm. by thinking tactically about how you're going to spend your days and what you're going to be doing. Yeah. So it, it's not just every it's not just uh, white knuckling it through every day. Staring at your computer, like don't click that. Like, no, go do stuff. It really helps. Yeah. So these are ways of, of taking responsibility on in a daily sense. I think will really help. Mm-hmm. Um, that, and yeah. then thinking, how can I build people up?
0: Right. And being, you know, what you're saying is being intentional with your time, not, not letting life happen to you yeah. and sitting around waiting for yeah. like, oh, this, but but really taking it, taking it on. I have a um, friend, it reminds me of a conversation I had with a friend about a month ago, who he had started his own online marketing business. And he's extremely talented and just a great guy and whatever. But then I I had seen him. Well, this is when I saw him last month. All of a sudden, he's like at Ace Hardware buying all these tools and stuff. And I'm like, well, what's up with that? And he's hmm. like, oh, I started my own contracting business. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> and I knew. I mean, this guy is just a jack of all trades. And yeah. He's outrageous. But he's like, I just got, he said, I was just getting soft. I was just sitting there in front of a laptop doing this, doing mm-hmm. that. And not that that isn't noble work and you can't build a great business and do that. But he was just like, I just get up with the sunrise and I'm just working all day and I've got these guys working for me. And he he was talking to me about how hard it was to find guys who really want to work and who just want to be out there and be spent by the end of the day. And I I was like, well, there's your training ground right there. You're going to have an opportunity to find and pour into these guys.
5: Yep. And, but giving them that vision to what they're actually supposed to be, be like any addiction. Yeah. You can't say no unless you're saying yes yeah to something else that you like better yeah there you can't do it so the idea is just like stop looking at that stop playing that stop looking at it. like no 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 that's not going to work right it's got to be an actual vision for something beautiful that you can go that is beautiful and if the culture doesn't present a beautiful idea of what masculinity is we're sunk right so at least at least church culture should at least we can understand it we we know what we're here for i hope
0: yeah, exactly. Well, and you even say, I mean, that whole idea of coming up with finding a mission, and that could be, you know, big M, like life's work and, and what you want to work towards, or it could just be your daily mission yeah. of today, I'm setting out to do this. And you even, I again, there are so many uh, spots in this book where I crack up because Bran is, is so funny but um, one of them was just this idea of like yeah no one's out buying movie tickets <laughs> to watch a bunch of guys not on mission
5: right you know, that's exactly like, right
0: no one wants an hour and a half or two hours of that boring like, man yeah
5: no <laughs> whatever man you don't want to live that way <laughs> that's the thing when I talk to younger guys too like if you can you can give them a guilt trip at 15 or 16 like you're just going to sit around and play video games all day mm-hmm. you can do that if you want mm-hmm. but it's better to go hey you know right when you're 40 you're going to want to look back and you're and remember that you had adventures that were in real life right mm-hmm. you don't want your whole life to have been fake
0: right right
5: any 15 16 year olds would be like, yeah you're right yeah but you, again it's a vision for something else And if they're not given it they got no chance so that's a call to guys it mostly makes their heart beat faster it's not a guilt trip it's like we have an opportunity here to fully embrace who we're supposed to be and you are too and you've got certain skills we need
0: yep Yeah, well, and it's so true. And actually what we have been talking about here, and we're going to continue this conversation next week, we've just touched on a few things that Brant walks through in the book. He talks about, you know, six decisions really that guys need to make. And we've kind of touched on the first three. Um, They are, you've got to forsake the fake and relish the real. You have to protect the vulnerable and you have to be ambitious about the right things. And I actually want to, we're going to next week uh, go into that a little bit more and, and finish out a few other things that Brant has to say. So um, stay tuned uh, to join us next week as we continue this conversation with Brant Hansen. In the meantime, I want you to know that we have been talking about The Men We Need, God's Purpose for the Manly Man, the Avid indoorsman, or any man willing to show up. And FYI, uh, we are making this book available to you for a gift of any amount to Boundless. So you know you already love Boundless and support it. And so this is your opportunity now as we Head into fall to continue supporting Boundless. Just go to boundless. dot org, search for seven six two. That's this week's episode. You'll see the book cover there. Click on it, give a gift, whatever you can afford to Boundless, and we are going to send Brant's book as our thank you to you. So you can make it happen. Um, Brant, ready to come back next week? I totally am. Thank Absolutely. you. Absolutely. Well, folks, uh, we are opening up our inbox, as we love to do here on the show, because they are your questions, and it allows us to kind of give practical advice for the stuff that you're walking through right now. And so today, we have Counselor Glenn Letchen's back. Glenn, good to have you.
6: Thank you. Good to be with you, Lisa.
0: All right. Well, you have to answer a dating question this week. And our listener says, my boyfriend and I met online and have been dating for around six months. We're both in our twenties. We knew early on that we love each other and want to get married, but he does not feel it is time yet. This has been hard for me to deal with as I'd like to get married soon, as in later this year. He has a house and a good paying job, so finances is not really a problem." He doesn't have one specific reason for waiting, but simply feels like he ought to. I've prayed about it and feel like it would be okay to wait for a bit longer, but I'm wondering exactly what my expectations ought to be under these circumstances.
6: Well, I won't give an exact time to wait, but generally speaking, there is some wisdom in, in waiting. There was a study done. It was published in 2014 by the University of Emory, Emory University, where they followed 3,000 couples and what they found was couples who dated for three or more years had a 39% chance less of divorcing than couples that dated less than a year. Hmm. So I think a big part of that is just giving the opportunity for each of you to see each other kind of in season and out of season. Mm -hmm. The excitement about a relationship may be there even from the first day, but really getting to know each other, really seeing each other in a variety of situations and circumstances. And if you're talking about marriage as a lifetime commitment, a lifetime covenant, um, it's good to know that person in a variety of circumstances. And I'm not saying that, you know, okay, the study says three or more years, so you got to <laughs> wait three years. But mm-hmm. I think the principle is there that getting to know each other, having that, that patience to really give the relationship some time has a lot of merit.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's good. And I think it also depends. Um, there are so many other factors, like they mentioned having met online here, right, right. like where, you know, how much of this has been digital versus mm-hmm. how much time have you spent in person. Also, we know statistically that age plays into that, right. like really, really young couples maybe should take some extra mm-hmm. time. Um, older couples, you know, once you do the hard work of figuring out, you know, what baggage are you bringing into mm-hmm. this, um, we like to make that point as well, you know, then sometimes you maybe know yourself a little better as as well, mm-hmm. but um yeah, it's funny because I was thinking as you were saying that I was like all these longtime Boundless fans are going to be like, but Glenn Boundless always encourages like, you know, not dragging your feet or whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I think right. what you said is is good wisdom. We're not talking about like, yeah, drag it out as long as you can and just go on pizza dates with no direction. You know, right. directionlessness is not helpful. But um But really allowing yourself time to ask the right questions, bring people into your sphere who can give you those objective eyes Mm -hmm. on the relationship and uh, be able to, you know, spend what Glenn described as, you know, those seasons of knowing, you know, and also, you know, have you walked through some conflict together and maybe experience uh, something beyond the high of a new relationship?
6: The more that she knows him, the more that he knows her before they marry, the better, because you're going to have a, Uh, less of a, oh, really, Mm -hmm. (laughs) when when you get married. Because inevitably, when people marry, there are going to be things they find out that they didn't know beforehand. So the more time you can take in really understanding each other better, it's going to be more valuable for the couple:
0: yeah, that's so good and and again, community is key get some you know I hope you're in your church community mm. and other people are meeting him too often we put the blinders on and just stare into one another's eyes and of course they look perfect when we're the only judge right <laughs> so right. Uh, get some help in that and, and some good maybe even pre-engagement counseling if you mm. are really considering marriage i I always love to recommend that as well so Glenn, thank you so much. You're great very wisdom welcome. there. All right, folks. Well, that's it for this week's show. Um, As always, we do love hearing from you. So write to us at editor at boundless.org where we can see your questions that you might want answered in the future as well as you can give us feedback on the shows. That's always helpful for allowing us to determine where we go from here. And in the meantime, I will see you around next week. I'm Lisa Anderson for The Boundless Show.
5: The Boundless Show is a production of boundless.org. Focus on the family.